Welcome to season two of Gray Maybe, a limited series podcast and social experiment based on this season's topic, the body. My name is Jillian Schmitz. I'm a professional dancer, actor, teacher, author, artist, and cat lover. Through my own personal journey of recovery, I've found that things aren't just black or white, or as simple as yes or no. For me, in my recovery, there has been mostly gray area and a lot of maybes. In most of my stories, you can find the gray maybe. I will be sharing my own process through personal stories, interviews, and hopefully stories from listeners in an effort to help lessen the stigma and shame of disordered eating, eating disorders, and body image. If you'd like to share your story of ED recovery on this podcast, anonymous or otherwise, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're using to catch future episodes of Gray Maybe. A note before we begin. The topic of disordered eating, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and other behavior related to the body may not be difficult for me to share anymore, but it wasn't always this way. I recognize and anticipate the possibility of judgment or disbelief about my experiences, ranging from my own family members to strangers, in addition to the potentiality of losing certain opportunities for publicizing my own experiences. My stories and the stories of others on this podcast are told through the lens of our own experience. The revelation of our process is ours to tell. If you disagree with the views or stories on this podcast, know that we are not speaking on anything other than our own experiences and viewpoints. Take what you like and leave the rest. Nothing expressed or mentioned in this podcast is an endorsement or is meant to be taken as suggestion or advice. It is strictly the sharing of our own experiences and recovery. Any feelings this podcast activates in the listener is for the listener to process and recover from. Any criticism you have based on these experiences and choices are yours, and they are not anyone else's burden to carry. Trigger warning, eating disorders, disordered eating, fat phobia, dieting, weight loss and gain, drugs, body dysmorphia, unwanted sexual attention, and graphic language. Welcome back, everyone. I started the second season of Gray Maybe, unsure if it would continue to be something people tuned into or if the salacious nature of the first season was the unfortunate selling point. To my surprise, the season grew in listeners. I've had so many conversations about this subject in the last several months. I experienced pure honesty from guests on the pod, potential guests, and friends, acquaintances, and even strangers. This season's topic might have been a little easier for people to talk about or digest, no pun, than the first season, but its entrenchment in secrecy and shame is still just as palpable. In this episode, I'm going to read two experiences that listeners submitted with permission to share. From Anne in Portland. By the time I graduated from George Washington High School in Denver, Colorado in 1969, I had already developed an unhealthy relationship to food. Convinced I was fat at 15, I first attempted to reduce, as they called it, by going on the Atkins diet. 
a festival of protein and nothing else. You can lose weight by restricting yourself to one kind of food, but you won't be able to keep it off. And so after stringent periods of cottage cheese and beef patties, I would go insane and binge on everything in sight. If it wasn't in sight, I would go get it, which, looking back, was classic drug-seeking behavior. In my first year at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, I was 19 and getting a quick education in more than drama by living in the big bad city. In 1970, New York City was awful. Poverty and drugs were everywhere, which leads me to my experience as an acting student in one of the most competitive schools in the country. Every Monday morning, an instructor lined us up one by one. He would make a comment, usually something along the lines of how much we had eaten over the weekend. Sometimes his evaluation was punctuated with a pat on the ass. He might as well have weighed us like livestock. Every woman in the class got the message. Thin was in, as my 5'10", 109-pound roommate used to say, as if I didn't know. I have a short, rounded body type, so sue me. I wish I had that wisdom when I was 19. Instead, I took the subway to the Bronx to a so-called doctor who dispensed candy-colored speed like tiny Necco wafers from huge jars on a shelf. He wrote his notes on the paper sheet that covered the exam table. I assumed his nurse disposed of the papers between patients, and by patients, I obviously mean customers, and thus started a few years of street drug abuse, yo-yo dieting, body dysmorphia, and general misery. I'm happy to report that the worst of it was over after I graduated. Decade by decade, I've been eating better. I'm in my 70s now, and there is no leeway for nonsense with food if I want to feel good. Fortunately, I'm no longer in the mood for nonsense. Like a lot of young women who hadn't yet formed a full identity, I got beat up by the culture and a few specific adults. Body positivity gets some lip service these days, but I doubt if, fundamentally, much has changed. From Anonymous I woke up today really pissed off, not because of you, but because your podcast woke up something in me that I didn't realize I was suppressing, and I thank you for that. As a fellow big booty bitch, BBB, I've received a lot of unwelcomed attention for a specific part of my body, and that attention started at a very young age. Specifically, at an age I wouldn't have been worried about what I looked like, or frankly, what others thought I looked like. My body awareness began when I was a competitive gymnast. I couldn't have been older than 10 when my coach, a very well-known gymnastics coach, I might add, pulled my mom aside to discuss the size of my ass. I was then called over to go over exercises that would make it smaller. It was pure muscle at the time, so of course that didn't work. This was the first time I realized that talent wasn't going to be enough, especially in gymnastics, dance, cheer. Your appearance matters. My body issues grew through high school and college. I continuously had to be, unquestionably, the best on the floor to gain spots on teams. And, frankly, it's probably why I didn't pursue a professional dance career. I wasn't the quote-unquote look that anyone wanted at the time. This is pre-JLo era, and big asses were not the look that anyone wanted. I'm sure you have your own issues with this. I didn't make a professional dance team because of my ass, and it was often the subject of conversation in rooms where my talent should have been the topic. It was in high school that I started being very concerned about what others saw me eat. I didn't deprive myself altogether, 
but I would binge when I was alone and eat less than I wanted in public settings. I realized just recently that is the reason I prefer to eat alone. I was thin, with the exception of my ass, and in fantastic shape. But these situations created a narrative in my head that I was fat, or at least I thought that's what everyone else thought of me. I started placing so much power in my appearance, in all aspects of my life, relationships, work, socially, and so on. It affects what I wear and how I present myself. I talk about working out entirely too much, probably so people see me as fit and not fat. This escalated in a long-term relationship. My ex was very appearance-focused. After my mom passed, I gained some weight, to which he told me that I'd let myself go. And that still rings in my head to this day. I stopped eating anything unhealthy in front of him and felt like shit if I didn't work out because I knew he was clocking that. I would sometimes lie and tell him I had worked out even if I didn't. I was in mourning, and some days, I just didn't fucking feel like it. I should have dumped him long before that, but I thought he was part of my value, but wrote it off as loyalty. As soon as I'm invited to something, I start stressing about what I'm going to wear and how I'm going to look my quote-unquote best. I won't wear something that shows a role. I don't wear shorts because I'd rather die than have someone see my cellulite. But that has to change. That's not living. And I'm done trying to look like what I think other people want to see. I pride myself on not giving a shit about what other people think of me, with the exception of my appearance, and that needs to stop. It wasn't until I heard your podcast on eating disorders that I realized I have issues with food and my body. So many situations make sense now. I have never purged or truly denied myself of food, which I'm lucky and thankful for, but I have absolutely ordered the lighter option at dinner with friends and boyfriends only to go home and eat another meal to fill myself. When I'm cooking for anyone, I'll eat so much while I'm cooking so I'll be full after my small dinner. I know others have it so much worse than me, which is probably why I never realized this was an issue. Or maybe I did, but didn't want to admit it. And I've held on to this email for almost a week because I kept thinking, if I hadn't purged, it's not a disorder. If I haven't gone days without eating, it's not a disorder. But the fact is, I have issues with food and my appearance. And whether or not I want to admit it, this is a disorder. Thank you for putting it all out there. You're so brave and will help so many people, even if they don't reach out and express it. Keep going. We need more people like you. It's time to take a break from this season and work on the next. Although I now have a better idea of where this will go, I still don't know when it will end. As far as the effect this season has had on my life, I'd have to say again, that would be recovery. Every time I said the words eating disorder, disordered eating, body dysmorphia, or shared my honest experience out loud into the ethos of this podcast, I shaved down a little bit more of my own shame and stigma. In telling my stories, I may or may not have inspired others to do the same, but I freed myself from emotional blackmail, claimed my truth, shed layers of shame, and inadvertently became a public eating disorder figure and speaker. My favorite moments of this season were from my guests, Kat's unshakable character, Kim's message of grace, 
Dave's deep empathy. Jada's modeled acceptance. Melissa's beautiful dignity. Carrie's poignant insight. Nancy's indomitable will. Kevin's fearless honesty. Kita's inspirational perseverance. Patty's daring approval. Chelsea's uplifting boldness. And Bailey's remarkable bravery. Some of my favorite lessons were recognizing that starving is starving, regardless if you chose it or not, or if society thinks you should be or not. That this journey is best thought of and summed up in different seasons of recovery, and the most important weight I could ever lose is mental. Doing this podcast continues to inspire me and to persist on the path of sharing recovery publicly. Gray maybe will have a third season with a new topic slated for fall 2023, so please stay tuned. I hope you found something that resonated in this episode today. If you're listening to this episode and you're realizing that you're more like me or the guests on this podcast than not, welcome, and I hope this helps you take a step in the direction of recovery if you haven't already. You're not alone. Just a reminder for anyone who needs to hear it, you don't need to wait until you're sick enough to get help. In fact, You don't have to be sick at all, just a desire to feel a little better. If you're listening and right now you're struggling with an ED, disordered eating, or other behaviors, welcome. Know that whatever you're feeling, there are those among us that have probably felt it too. You are not alone. If you're listening because you have someone you love in your life that is suffering or is in recovery for an ED, welcome. You are also not alone. Even having an eating disorder myself, I have not reacted the best I could to others who were struggling before my own recovery. I've attached the do's and don'ts of how to deal with someone suffering in the show notes, as well as how to contact myself and various links for help and recovery when and if you're ready. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you were able to find something relatable in today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, this is also a social experiment to see if in telling my story, I can embolden listeners to share their stories. If you'd like me to read your recovery story on this topic, anonymous or otherwise, on the podcast, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com, G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who helped make this Gray Maybe podcast happen. Producer and editor, Roderick Barge. Cover photo by Jose Perez. Music, licensed by Pixabay. Special counsel, Jada Ellingham and Roderick Barge. Special shout out to supporter, Patty Olgan. If you'd like to support this podcast, please rate, share, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, bye for now.